Hi, I'm Mark Kent. And I'm Jacob Pusey. And you're listening to the Art and Science of Running podcast. If you climb the sea. Welcome back to another episode of the Art and Science of Running podcast. Today, we're joined by the founder of Aravipa Running, among many other things, uh, Jamil Curry. Welcome, Jamil. Thanks, Jacob. Great to be here with you. Yeah, thanks. I <laughs> I know you are extremely busy with with all of the many things that you have going on, and particularly um, at this time, as as you and and most other race directors are pivoting and trying to figure out how to adapt and adjust to ever-changing restrictions and regulations. Um, but I, I wanted to reach out to you um, even during this busy time because you seem to be out uh, in the forefront leading the charge and, and really paving the way for a lot of other race directors and runners in terms of how to pivot and um and still remain a part of the running community and, and active. And, um, so I, I just felt like there, there wasn't really anyone else that, <laughs> that could speak to this any better than, than you. Um, so, so do you want to, do you want to give us an idea of what you've been up to the last few weeks, uh, and how, how your life has changed? Um, yeah, sure. Um, be happy to. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, it's a great way to put it is, is the pivot. And um, it kind of came up for us in March, early March, we, ha- you know, it kind of started to seem like the walls were closing in, so to speak, from everything going on with the pandemic of going from, oh, we, you know, we're, it's kind of out there, it's not really affecting us to all of a sudden, like, whoa, like a race in Utah was like a trail running race in Utah was just canceled. And, um, and then it kind of just kept closing in on us. And that was honestly, I think the most stressful time because mostly of the uncertainty Mm -hmm. that's, it's just, that's a, it's a tough thing when you don't, when you just don't know what direction you're supposed to be heading in, it's hard to make a plan. It's hard to act on it. It's hard to move forward. So once we got, I think it was an official CDC recommendation from the U.S. of, I think, f- no more groups of no larger than 50 could gather in any one place. And then Arizona adopted those. Like the governor made an announcement that said they would, Arizona would be following that. We, we knew that, you know, okay, we've got to postpone our events and, and look to figure out what the next move is because you know, us as race directors, and we build up our, our operations over the course of the year with our overhead. And, you know, I know some of us have staff members as well, uh, and an office or a storage unit or something. And we kind of annualize a lot of those costs and the money that we're taking in for our future races. A lot of times we're living off of those. Um, and that's just kind of how, how we do things. Um, which is, it's kind of a weird business model. It's, it's great for cash flow up front, and it's never a problem when you actually hold the races and it's kind of had to flip it where it's like, okay, what if you don't get to hold the race? It's canceled or it's postponed. All of a sudden you, it, it turns like a positive thing in your business to a liability where now what do you do? If, if the race gets canceled, you still the people that have already signed up, you owe them an experience from the money you've taken in, or you might be liable to give that money back. So it's really had to make us think about just our normal business model. And yeah, we, we essentially, for us, fortunately, we've been working on quite a few things over the past few years that has allowed us to pivot in a big way. So Part of our plan was, well, we've got like a couple YouTube channels and we're going to maybe make some more content. 
which we did some of that. Um, and then thinking, well, it's, we've never done a virtual race before, but that was, we, we honestly had always thought about doing one. So it kind of had been in the back of our minds that we wanted to put on a virtual experience. And so that's kind of where we started, um, with our first idea was, you know, the Aravipa strong virtual race, which is the first thing we really did that, that made a difference for us and was able to, um, maintain our staff levels, which has been great. But, you know, now that that's over, it's, it's kind of like what's next. And so we've, we've continued to come up with some ideas there and you know, we've got some other things in the work that honestly, the video content has been the least, I think, immediately productive for us, but it's still something we're trying to do. But yeah, I don't know. We've just been, we were really slammed by Aravipa Strong and um, in a different way. Like we've never had to do something like that before. And so there definitely were some struggles and it wasn't a perfect transition for us. Well, you, you hit it well. (laughs) Everything that I saw, uh, I mean, I I was blown away uh, by, by the amount of participation, even by people who I wouldn't have assumed would, would sign up for a virtual race or, or not just sign up, but sign up to do something way beyond what I would have imagined they would think they could do. in addition to um, directing some races, the, mostly what I do is coach um, athletes. And, and so, you know, I had an athlete in Puerto Rico. I had a couple of athletes in Puerto Rico doing it. Um, I had athletes here in Alberta doing it. I had athletes, um, an athlete in the Philippines doing it. I mean, there were people all over the world doing Aravipa Strong. And um, I know you're a big organization. I mean, in terms of the number of races that you put on and, and the, how you've grown and, and how you've diversified. And, um, I mean, for a trail running organization, it, you're, you're, you're big, but, uh, in terms of the, the scope and the breadth of, and, and just the, um, the reach that Air Viper Strong had, it was, already <laughs> i mean you're already big but it, it it very quickly became even more international um and not just international in the sense of people from overseas were coming to do the Havilene 100 or something like that it was that, <laughs> that people were doing aerobic strong all over the world and obviously you you can speak more to that than than i can but even even in the limited um realm that i occupy i was i it was all over social media it was sometimes I wasn't even being notified by the athletes that I'm coaching. They just said, Hey, I'm fit. And I saw this come up and I signed up for it and I'm going to run a hundred miles this week. And I was like, Oh really? Huh? Okay, cool. <laughs> but that, but it was also, um, it was both inspiring and, and also, uh, just, just really neat to see that, that you filled this, this space and this niche and this, uh, or niche and this, uh, this need more than anything, like people didn't have any certainty about their running other than I might be able to run today if, (laughs) if we're not in complete lockdown. And then all of a sudden you gave people a purpose. And, and so I, I want to thank you for that. I can't imagine how little sleep you got and that sort of thing. And and it makes, but, um, from from a outsider's perspective, you nailed it. So yeah, thank you. I mean, we were definitely surprised just by like everything you just said, the net amount of people, and I mean, for instance, like the hundred mile distance option um, wasn't even on our radar. We were just going to go up to a fifty k, and just I think one or two people were like, "Yeah, I would do a hundred and we we're we were actually we're like, "Well, should we even offer it? Is it even responsible to encourage people to do a hundred miles?" with everything going on. I mean, that was the period of time leading up to it when we were even a little nervous of like, are people even going to be able to run safely or legally? Um, but it seemed like given that we had 10 days for the event that people were able to do it in a safe way. And I think overall we found that to be true. And yeah, the hundred mile, we ended up having, I think like 450 people that did a hundred during the event, which is amazing. I mean, it's really cool to see that. Um, people that maybe never did a hundred mile a week before did a hundred mile a week, which is, is really cool. But yeah, we probably shocked a lot of coaches out there and we're off plans, maybe. <laughs> oh, all of the plans have been thrown off anyway, though. Oh, so, yeah. You know, um, 
when when the cancellation started coming down the pipe, it was like, you know, usually I, I kind of um, spread it out so that I, I, I update a quarter of my athletes plans every, I mean, I more than that, but I, I usually try and sp- spread it out myself. Like each week I, I'm, I'm going to focus on, on a plan that, that needs the most attention, um, or a certain number of plans. And then all of a sudden when all the cancellations came down the pipe, it was like, okay, never mind. I have to, <laughs> I have to update and totally rewrite every single plan that I've written up to this point. And, and then for the next couple of weeks, it was like, okay, actually not only is this race postponed, but then this next one that, <laughs> that I had just written a plan for was postponed. So, um, there's no complaining from me as far as that goes. Cause it, we were all scrambling. I think every one of us that, that is involved in the sport in any way, shape or form has been, uh, just trying to keep the ball rolling, I guess is the best way to put it. So for sure. Yeah. Um, well, I, I guess to a certain extent, I, I was really pleased that, um, more and more people, um, learned about you and, and your, your race organization. And, um, I say that because I've, I've participated in some of your races and, and hope to participate in more of your races. And, um, they, they definitely have a kind of a, a grassroots feel to them. And yet at the same time, they, they're top-notch events in terms of, uh, even some of the training runs that I did with, um, preparing for Black Canyon, like having aid stations on the training runs and with like, um, ginger and salt caps and things like that, that, that half the time aid stations don't even have those things and pickles and things like that. So, um, I would just say that, uh, there are a lot of races out there and there are a lot of race organizations out there, but, um, the level of, and the balance of both professionalism and also just kind of insider knowledge (laughs) that, that you and, and your team bring to your events, um, is, is unparalleled as far as I'm concerned in the, in the races that I've done. And so I'm, I'm glad that those who haven't been able to run your races in the, in the Southwestern United States have at least had a taste of, of the level of um, professionalism that you put into your events. So, yeah, and, that. and that personal touch, I guess is what I was getting at as well. Like it's, it's clearly, it's clear that you have a, a team of, people who really know what they're doing and, and are committed to making sure that everyone has a positive experience. But, but there is a, a personal touch to that. Um, yeah, we try and balance it. Um, you know, I come from, I've been in the sport a long time. So, and I feel like I have like this kind of, like you said, it's a tough thing to kind of describe maybe what we do. Um, but we have that grassroots or like old school flair because that's how I started in the sport. I came in before like born to run and, um, Dean Carnassus's book was published. Um, ultra marathon man. Like I kind of came into it and I, all I knew was like these local band of ultra runners in Arizona. And it was like no frills and it was what it was. And that I've kept that really close. That's I'm part of the, I feel like I'm connected to, or part of the old school generation, but yet we also like to put on, really, you know, high quality events. We don't like to skimp in our production level or the, we try and give the best experience possible and not just at the aid stations, but just the total package. And that's what drives us. And, you know, it's not always the easiest way or the quick way, but it's, it's our way that we do it. And I appreciate hearing that someone takes notice of that for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, anyone that's listening, if you have the opportunity to participate in, in one of the, um, virtual races, I highly recommend it that, that Aravipa, um, has organized or is organizing, but, but once things open back up, uh, if you get the opportunity to, to go participate, um, th- there are still some that I haven't, that I, <laughs> that are still bucket list items and I don't have a lot of bucket list races, but I, I would definitely like to do Havelina, whether the hundred K or the, or the hundred miler there. Um, and I would definitely love to do something it across the years. Um, and some other, I mean, you, you put on so many different events that, <laughs> that range from like, like you said, some of those really old school classics that you've kind of acquired and, and kept going, uh, like the crown King scramble, uh, which is just like straight up a mountain. Um, or you, you do, 
you have some track races and you have some looped courses and you've now got a 200 miler that you're doing. Um, and you've got multi-day events. Um, how is, is that just kind of your personality to just not want to paint yourself into one corner or how, how do you, how do you do that with, with so many different events and distances and I, some would say even disciplines. I mean, they're, they're so different. Yeah. I think, um, a lot of it kind of comes from me and my brother. Um, you know, we were very much, um, when we like started Aravipa, it was, it's a family business. Um, and it still is, um, he doesn't work day to day in the business anymore, but he did for many years. And so he, whereas I'm more of the mountain niche of like, I mean, we both love mountain races, obviously like hard rock, um, was both of our second hundred milers. We both did rock early on in our careers. Um, but he's drifted a little bit more towards flatter stuff and shorter, faster, but even 24 hour track racing himself. And he's really good at that. And I've tended more towards the extreme, you know, UTMB, Rondadel Sims, Barkley. And so both, and, but I appreciate both. Um, I like, and I love the history of all kinds of ultras, like reading about people running really fast on the roads back in the seventies and, or the pedestrianism races back in the 1800s. Like I, I just love it all. Um, so that's why we were inspired to create something like desert solstice, a 24 hour elite track race, or incorporate a 10 day into across the years, do everything from that to yeah. Like a point to point black Canyon is a hundred K um, Western States qualifier. And then now our newest thing is we're uh, just about to launch a 250 mile point to point foot race across central Arizona. That's like kind of a competitor to like the Tahoe 200 or the Moab 240. It's kind of this epic destination once in a lifetime type of an event. So I don't know. We just, we love it all. We love the sport and we want to kind of offer something for everyone. Well, you, you do it well. I've, like I said, I've, I've, I'm trying to think I've done black Canyon and I want to do that again. <laughs> and I saw that it is a, again, a qualifier. And I've, if I can somehow figure out how to heat train here, uh, through the winter, I, I want to come back down there and do it. Um, even living down there, I was ill prepared for the heat. Um, cause I was in flag during the winter, but, um, I, I did the big pine one and I did, I've done crown King. And then I, I think I've, I've helped Mark some of the, when you were doing the sky races and Flagstaff and stuff like that, I tried to volunteer because I, I mean, I, I'm grateful that you put on the events and I, I want to do my part to, to give back when I can. Um, but I also did some of the training runs for, for black Canyon. And, and I have a number of athletes that I coach that are from Arizona or who are training for, for your events. So it's definitely nice to, to know some of those events, but, but there are still some that are, like I said, calling my name. So yeah. one of these days I want to get back there. Yeah. And, and I never thought I would say this, but um, when I saw where the route of the, the 250 mile goes, <laughs> that is actually appealing to me. So, um, and that's totally out of my wheelhouse and um, comfort zone. So um, you're doing a good job of, of keeping, keeping people's imaginations running. So. Yeah. Well, and it's for us too, as organizers, you know, I mean, just like, I think us as athletes, we like to challenge ourselves and step up and maybe move on to a, a harder discipline or a longer distance. I think you, know, me as a director um, or overseeing these events, like we like to be challenged too. And I think for us, all of our experience over the past 10 years will help us put on, you know, as top notch of a race of that distance as we can. So I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. So, I mean, you mentioned some of the races that you do and, and, uh, your, your brother does. And, um, I think you guys were like the original ultra bros, um, which is cool. Um, my brother and I are trying to follow in your footsteps, but, um, uh, do you, um, are there, are there races that, that you look to not just for the, the scenery and, and the, the history, but, um, races that you try to emulate or that you, you know, when you, when you, when you run a race, um, 
I know it's hard to turn off, (laughs) at least for me, it's hard for me to turn off my race director cap and, and not look at it from that perspective, at least like, okay, how are they logistically organizing this? I mean, I even get excited about, um, (laughs) emails, (laughs) pre-race emails, uh, or, or some of the stuff that you've been sending out. I I've been forwarding everything that Aravipa has sent out and, and what some of the other race directors are sending out. I'm forwarding those to my wife multiple times a day, just like, here's what other people are doing. (laughs) What are we going to do? You know, this might be one way that we want to word this or pattern what we do after them. What are some what are some race organizations or some races that you've done that that you've thought okay I want to I want to bottle that I want to figure out how to replicate that. Yeah, I think um yeah, it's a great point. It's something I always I've always tried to do is to kind of be a a sponge or a student of the sport in terms of seeing what other people are doing. I remember, I mean, the very first race I ever directed was the Havelina 100 and I was fortunate to inherit that race from the former director of it. And the first year of that event, I just, I just went online and was looking at, I think I looked up every single picture that existed of the first five years of the race. Like I went and found photo albums or blog posts. And I read every word of every report to kind of see what the runner experience was like. And, you know, even down to like, where, where did they put the trash cans? Like, where did they, what did everything look like? How did they lay out the aid stations or what was available at them um, down to the last detail. And that was my baseline. That's where I started. And then, yeah, as uh, someone who loves the sport and as I kind of made my way, you know, I started out running in college, running ultras. And so I just ran the local events. I didn't have money to travel or do anything. And as I kind of stepped out of our zone and like, I would go and do a race in Texas. I think Rocky Raccoon was like, it was a big deal to get out there. I, me and my brother drove in our Toyota Corolla 24 hours to go run that race together. Wow. Uh, hilarious and, and dumb, like like dumb on the way back because we both ran the race cramped in this little car to drive through the night back. And it was just awful. Um, so I, yeah, I, I can't imagine how you fit into a Toyota Corolla. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> even if you hadn't run a hundred miler. Um, yeah, it was, that would not be comfortable. Also, I guess it's just like it toughens you up a little bit. But I remember, I think there, um, they had these laminated arrows or something at that race. And I was like, oh man, that's such a good idea. And like, how can we incorporate something kind of like that? Um, so yeah, everywhere I, I went, I was like, I as a participant, I like to kind of review the race firsthand and um I don't know if you say steal or just get inspired by what they're doing. And like, yeah, if there's a good idea out there, it's like, I think that's how the sport gets better and how events progress is like by all of us trying to put on the best thing that we can do. And it's, it's cool to see it. And um, yeah, it's cool to see people elevate their game and their races. Um, I think it benefits all of us as runners um, to have that level of standard um, is kind of cool. So yeah. Um, I think I've always kept my eye open for what people are doing and yeah, we hope that we like to consider ourselves, um, one of the leaders of the sport and it's, you know, it's cool to hear you say that you guys are, um, inspired by some of the stuff we do. Yeah, you, you really do a good job. And, um, I've, again, I, I haven't even been to Havelina, but it, it, it sure looks like a lot of fun and I, and I have coached people who've done it and, um, I just find it interesting that you're somehow able to do that at that scale and with that much enthusiasm and uh, that many people. And yet under the same banner, you're able to do something as like classic and old school and low key, I would say low key um, as like the, the crown King scramble Um, like, which is just an iconic Arizona event, super classic, super old school. And, um, and it feels like you, you've, you've made somehow maintained that, that vibe there. And, and again, under the same umbrella, you're able to produce one of the, the highest number of participants, hundred Ks and hundred milers, and at least in the country, um, for, for a Havelina race like that, you know, we draw, we draw more inspiration from a UTMB than anything else. Um, the fact that I was able to get out there in 2015, like, have you been out to that race yet? To UTMB? 
Yeah. I, I haven't, my, my brother has, and, um, he's, he's spoken quite highly of it. And I've, again, yeah. I've athletes that have done it and stuff, but I've never actually been there myself. So I think there's, and I think, there, I mean, there's only a limited number of probably athletes or race directors that have been there and there's something, I mean, there, I think there's mixed feelings about that race, probably in the U S especially like they don't like certain things about it, or there's like this definitely can be a negative connotation to it. I think, especially, um, from some old school, hundred mile race directors in the country. Um, but there's something like honestly magical about it when you get, and it's not even necessarily something that UTMB is even doing when you get that many people that love ultra running that much in one area together. Um, but it just creates this kind of like feeling it's tough to describe, but then UTMB is also um, like they're masterful at what they do too, because they understand that it's not just about that, but there's more to it. And there's, I guess the best way I can describe it is there's, there's like theatrics to it um, that they spend time and money on that. Um, And it's not something that just happens. They're not just putting up a banner. Um, It's kind of like if you go to Disneyland, everything there is curated in a way that is interesting. There's a level of theater production to it. There's, um, the lights that they pick or the music, um, the sounds, the theme songs, like all these little pieces and elements and the announcer and the timing of things. Like they play a certain song at a certain time when you're like getting ready to do, to start the race or like when people are finishing that creates this emotion. And that's something we try and replicate with Havelina. And we're not even quite to the level we want to be or like, theming certain aid stations that we do sometimes where we we spend a lot of time and money on like these things and these like um elements and um lighting and stuff like that that maybe it doesn't even you don't even notice that it's happening um that i've noticed that utmb does um that it it makes a difference and and that's the type of thing that we try and focus on um for that race yeah, I, I definitely like to to check it out for the energy, for the layout. Um, I, I do think there's uh, both UTMB, but but also Havelina, and um, maybe this is me being um, an exceptional American, but I, I actually <laughs> am more interested in uh, running Havelina than I am UTMB, um, and that's, that's what we're think, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, part of it is. Um, I don't know what it is, but there are races like UTMB, like the, the terrain, I don't think suits my strengths. And even though I live in the Rocky mountains now and, and would like to spend more time in the mountains at this point in my life, at least I still don't feel like I have the skill to show up and throw down. Um, whereas I feel like, uh, it, not that the competition is any less at Havelina, but I just feel like that's more in my wheelhouse and more kind of <laughs> what I'd like to do. Um, I like the heat more than the snow, I guess is, is a big thing. Um, but yeah, also the desert is such a special place. Like I, I just grew up in the Southwest and that's, <laughs> that's what I love. And so I'd love to run something like that, but someday I'll get, I'll get to both. I hope, but yeah. Um, so you, like you mentioned, as you were kind of, um, describing the similarities and the differences between you and your brother, you said that you're kind of more interested in in just kind of those gnarly mountain races like, like hard rock. And it's not like you just showed up and participated. You've, you've placed top 10 at hard rock before. So you're, you've done well and arguably one of the most challenging mountain races, um, or mountain hundreds in the world. And, uh, and you've done the Barkley marathon and, and you've done the Tahoe 200 and just these really challenging races. What, what do you say when people, right now when people are saying, you know, I just can't, I just can't do virtual. That's just not my jam. Um, <laughs> how does someone who is known as, I, I mean, I, I think some people would consider you a purist in terms of the mountain trail stuff, um, or even a masochist. I mean, anyone who signs up for the Barkley marathons, that uh, is looking for an experience, <laughs> uh, a, a painful experience, I, I, at least partially. So how, how do you speak to someone who 
who feels like virtual is is less than or or just not not a real challenge um, yeah um i mean i think it's different and like you know i haven't been super drawn to virtual races in the past like i've done i think the ginger runner one one time mostly to support ethan and what he's doing mm-hmm. um but i mean I think it can be a way to stay motivated. That's what I've seen, at least the people that are participating in our events right now. Uh, it's a way to keep accountable, to look forward to something when they're, you know, we just can't do events right now. Um, and we're trying to create um, unique events. Um, it, it, the idea of just taking all of our existing races and just slapping a virtual thing on it, I'm, it doesn't inspire me a ton. So our kind of like, I guess our game plan is, to create unique things that maybe no one else is doing that's of our own imagination. And so, and and yeah, I know there are probably some other like vertical races. That's our next one is the run steep, get high um, vertical challenge um, where you try and hit these different levels that are corresponding to these like landmarks around the world. Um, But yeah, it's kind of cool to throw something out there. And we did turn our, we have a, a summer night run series here in Arizona that basically we're, we're, we're thinking we're going to lose the whole series because of not being able to have large groups over the summer, um, which would be pretty devastating for us as a business. It's not really an option for us. So we're trying to think of ways to make the virtual experience as fun as we can. So we're going to have, you know, we're working on, we haven't done the first one yet, but we're going to have like a party stream where we all hang out the night of the race, maybe people are running on a treadmill in there, watching, jumping in and out of the call, doing a virtual DJ. And who knows, like maybe it's going to be a flop or maybe it'll be fun and we'll learn something from it. Um, But I think trying to have a way that people connect and we've got um, a lot of ideas that are in the pipeline right now of like trying to put a different spin on something. And um, I think just like Aravipa strong, like getting people out that had never done a hundred mile week or they challenged themselves in a new way. To me, that's the most inspiring part of it is that they got to do something that that got them out or people use it as a fundraiser. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I know it's not going to be for everyone and there's people that, yeah, like they've drawn a line in the sand. They're like, I'm never doing a virtual race. Um, and hopefully like, yeah, I don't know, maybe we won't need to do them once we all get back at it. Um, and we might keep some virtual components too, just to give people a chance to participate in our events, even though they don't live near us. Um, so that's kind of, I guess my thought process, it's kind of evolving, you know, as we go. Yeah. But I'm, I'm really impressed with, um, just how, how creative you are getting, um, but also how, how consistent you are and how, um, how fun, you're making it and engaging. Um, speaking of the the first hundred mile week, I've been working with a a lady uh, who's just like the ultimate volunteer. She she's one of the volunteer coordinators in one of our regions here with the race series that we do um, with Five Peaks, and um, she helps us at the stage race that we put on every year. Celebrates her birthday with us at the Trans Elkirks Run. Um, and she's run Havelina twice. And I think she was actually signed up for an, one of your night races. Um, and she's from Northern Alberta. Uh, I mean, so she, she's gone down to Arizona to, to run your races multiple times. And I think the first time she completed the hundred K and then, so the next year she signed up for the hundred miler and didn't, didn't get the hundred miles in under the cutoff, but she got like 84 miles and was just, you know, happy as a clam. And rather than virtual, being um like an impediment or (laughs) like um something that like didn't motivate her it actually it created a a wider cutoff time essentially um and so she said this is my chance you know we're looking we've been looking for a hundred miler that i can complete and it's not that she doesn't have the the discipline or the determination or, or the grit to grind through hundred milers. It's just, she just hasn't been able to get in under the cutoff before. And yeah. she was able to, she bought the buckle. And she, um, she even had a, her husband meet her and give her the, um, put the metal over her neck. And, and, and so she, she earned her first hundred mile buckle through, um, Aravipa strong. And, um, I mean, 
the amount of satisfaction and pride that she felt by being able to do that was was inspiring to me and inspiring to a ton of other people. <laughs> I posted the video on on our you know very small um, network for the team of athletes that I coach and um, and it definitely got the most views out of anything we've had in a very long time. And it was a like a private medal ceremony <laughs> because everyone's in quarantine, you know. And uh, one that like she got the medal and the buckle and then had like a beer right away. Yeah, yeah, that's scary. Um, and I mean, an absolute sweetheart and. Um, and that meant the world to her. And, and I know that she's not the only one I had other, I, I have an athlete that, that actually lives in the Phoenix area and was looking for the next challenge. And, um, he's going to celebrate his birthday by doing the daybreaker, um, like the whole series, the 106 K or whatever over the week. Um, cause that's when his 45th birthday falls. And, um, he, he didn't have a race on the calendar and we were scrambling trying to find some sort of challenge that was meaningful, he wanted to do the rim to rim to rim around that time because it was close to his age and distance and stuff like that. And the Canyon's closed. So instead he's doing daybreaker and he's, and he's stoked about it. And, and so, I mean, in some ways you're engaging people that weren't signed up for your races, which is um, I think really exciting. Um, And not just helpful for me as a coach, (laughs) but also helpful for me as a runner. Like it gives me, something to look forward to and something to put on the calendar and work towards. And so I yeah. appreciate, it. I appreciate and, it. And the way it hits me personally. I mean, that's super cool. Like hearing stories like that just make, gives me so much satisfaction. Um, yeah, it's really awesome. And I'm, yeah, and it's actually, it's actually called Dawn breaker, but I'm very Dawn breaker. Uh, <laughs> Apologies. It just, well, it's brand new. So, but yeah, that was a new concept. And that was inspired by, um, we have one of our staff members, John Maroshek. He's like, awesome guy. Um, and he, he's always like running these like prolific, the longest distances of everything. So during Aravipa strong, he ran every single distance offered and it added up to 230 miles. So he did 230 miles over the course of the, of the 10 days. Wow. And so like the Dawnbreaker was the, inspired by him. We're like, cause the insomniac series we're doing it, it caps out at around 50 K like wanted to do something longer is like, well, what if we add up all of the distances of each one? Um, and for the first one for adrenaline, it's 106 K. And so it's kind of cool. Like we have this, you run all of them and you have a week to run, you know, like a 5k, 10k, 15k, 25k, 50k. And you, it's, it's awesome. Um, and yeah, people can break it up how they want to, but yeah, it's kind of motivating. And for me as a runner, like that's what I'm struggling with right now. It's like, had Barkley canceled. I get busy with work. Hard rock is questionable right now. It's probably going to be canceled. And it's kind of like, it's really tough to train uh, when you don't have anything to get out the door. And I know I participated in that quarantine backyard ultra back in March, I think it was. Yeah. Um, And that gave me something like it got me out the door, which I think was important. And I'm, I'm gearing up for limitless right now, which is our vertical challenge. I'm going to I think I'm going to shoot for the highest level, which is insane. Um, but it's something, it's something to do and it's going to get me to get some miles in and get out the door. Um, and, and if anything else, if that can, if that's the only thing it does right now, I think it, it's important to do, um, until we have our kind of real races that we can travel to again. Yeah. And that's a, that's a question that I have for you. How do you, I mean, with, with so many events that you, oversee i know you may not be the the designated race director for a specific race but but how do you juggle your responsibilities as as the the founder of this race series and also you know owner and but not just the race series you've uh you're quite the entrepreneur you you now make awards you have um brick oven pizza that you serve at your events. Um, I believe at a time you were screening t-shirts. You, you've got quite a different thing, uh, quite a few different things. You, you're a content creator with the mountain outpost and um, with this run steep, get high YouTube um, channel and, and, and also some of the, the gear that you sell through that. Um, how, how do you find time to race when you've got a race <laughs> <laughs> that that you're somehow overseeing like almost every weekend of the of the year like how does that and train even i mean how with that many different hats how how do you find the time to still be a participant in the sport 
I mean, the short answer is I haven't really. Um, I, I do like, I maybe do five or six ultras a year that like aren't Aravipa ones. I threw in two or three Aravipa ones per year, which I'm fortunate enough to be able to jump into. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's like, I mean, and I think since we really expanded the last five years, that's taken a huge hit, which I think is the the thing I'm maybe struggle with the most because I feel like I have a, so much potential as an athlete and like, I haven't even scratched the surface of what I'm capable of. Um, so yeah, I, if someone wants to be my life coach, that's listening out there, I'd be happy to take someone on. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the biggest challenge I think that I face. One of the biggest ones, um, is finding that balance. Um, my brother's really good at it. Um, I mean, he doesn't work here at Aravipa, but he definitely spends some time here. He, he seems to find, make that time for that. But for me, like if I get busy with some new part of Aravipa, the first thing to go is my own personal training. I, I, a lot of times will still do the races I'm signed up for, but it's definitely, it takes a, a hit in terms of where I see myself, um, wanting to be fully trained and more of full attention. Um, so yeah, me as an athlete has definitely taken a backseat to all the rest of it. Yeah. I, I think that's, uh, <laughs> um, I, I think that might come as a surprise to a lot of people because I, I hear, and, and you hear the phrase, you know, um, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And, uh, and so there's this idea that you, if you can somehow find a way to make a living doing what you're passionate about, and clearly you're very passionate about running and ultra running and trail running. And, um, and you are so involved in so many ways as an athlete, as a, as a race director, as a content creator, producer, um, I, your, your video, I mean, you, you do a lot, but, um, you're, I don't know that anyone has ever been able to capture anything quite like you did, um, with Hayden Hawks and, 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 and and it takes a certain level of athlete and a skilled artist to be able to chase those guys, at least for a time, um, and get the right kind of footage or, or the same with, with Jim Walmsley in the Canyon and things like that. So, I mean, you, you certainly bring a skill set to each of the things that you do, but, um, but man, it, it is hard to, (laughs) to be so passionate about what you're doing and, and it, it truly is a labor of love and it's a service that you're trying to provide to people so that they can fall in love with it the same way that you have. And yet when you take pride in the work that you're doing, um, you know, I, I very often look at my watch or my phone or whatever, and my window to get a run in is very quickly closing. And I still have a lot of either coaching comments or responses or plans to get out the door or an update to the website or an article that needs to be, written. it's like, okay, how do I, all of this needs to get done, but I, I owe it to myself to get out for at least an hour today, you know, cause I, otherwise I'm going to lose it. But, and at the same time, I, I'm, I need to practice what I preach. Like, you know, I, my job, people pay me to help them figure out how to schedule and prioritize their running in their lives. And I'm not even doing it. And so that's a, that's a hard thing. And I, um, I don't know that there is a more demanding job than that of race director. Um, I, so I, I commend you for getting in the running that you do do and putting on the number of races that you do, because, uh, I know that it's full on and lots of sleepless nights, especially right around race day weekend and things. So, Oh yeah. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I love everything I do, like all the work that we do, whether it's yeah. Making awards or, printing t-shirts or whatever it is here logistically behind the scenes. Like the problem, I think the problem is I love all of it. I love the videos. I love everything. Uh, I love to do all of it and pour myself into it. Um, But yeah, I think at some point here quickly, I need to like find a better balance because, you know, my window of being like, you know, I guess to my prime or where I want to be, it's just like, yeah, if you blink, it's like, passing quickly you know yeah yeah we're we're getting any younger yeah exactly and um and also like yeah i mean i love all the work but it's like yeah what at the end of the day not that it's worthless but like what is it all worth if i didn't even get to kind of fulfill my personal dreams too so i think it's it's an important at some point i I do maybe need to take a step back and, and look at that it's something that it's easy to 
get in the grind and not think about it and then forget to take a step back sometimes. Yeah. What, what would you like your, what would you like to be known for? Like, what would you like your legacy to be, you know, in, in 50 years, how would you like to look back at Aravipa or at, at your own running career or, or um, just you as a person or as a, as an entrepreneur, as a father, um, who, who do you want to be remembered as? Oh man, that's a deep one. (laughs) That's a lot there. Um, I mean, yeah, creating, I guess, an organization and that inspired people and provided a way for them to connect with the outdoors in a way that was positive and impactful, I think, is probably the most important thing. I think that's kind of what guides everything that we do is is creating, yeah, experiences for people um, so that they can have a passion and love for the outdoors, really. Um, that's for me growing up, even that, that was always my connection. You know, I was in scouts growing up and the thing that I loved about ultra running is I get to experience a lot of landscape on my own, under my own power and explore new areas. And so, um, if we can help inspire people to do that, that would be a great legacy. Um, and, and if people had, it's like I've had great experiences at a lot of races. If we can provide that through Aravitha events, I think that's great. Yeah. I agree. Um, I, mean, as an athlete, I mean, my immediate goals, I mean, I want to finish the Barkley. That's, that's number one. Um, but I would love to be competitive on the world stage, really. Um, immediately, like, like Hard Rock. Like if I could win Hard Rock, I would love that. Um, that'd be a great starting point. Kind of like, that's definitely something that's high on my list. I think I'm, I think I do have the capability within myself. I haven't really shown much of that in the last five years, but, um, yeah, it'd be really cool. Yeah, that would be, I I know it would be inspiring for a lot of people because, um, I mean, people do know who you are, but I, I think for people to see that, um, even though you make a living in the sport, you, you, you have a real job. I mean, like this, being a business owner, uh, it's not just you, you carrying your name forward, but you, you're not just a business owner, you're an employer. Um, and, and that's, that's a lot of responsibility as well. And, and that's, that's actually one of the things that I admire about your pivot to virtual as well. It's, it's not just you and it's not just, um, what's, what's in the best interest for you personally and financially, but, but you're having to make decisions that don't just impact you and your racers, but you're having to make, make decisions, uh, right now that impact other people who have dedicated their lives to, (laughs) to producing these events and these experiences for people. And, um, would you, would you be willing to talk a little bit about that as far as like how some of those decisions were made in, in part to keep, not just so that you guys can keep the lights on, but, but so that, so that your whole team of, of, um, content creators and event directors, uh, are able to provide for themselves and their families, but also rolling into next year, hopefully when we can have events or whenever events can happen, there will still be an event organization. There will, (laughs) Air Viper will still be here. Um, and that's not just you, even though, you know, you're the, you're the founder in the face of it. Um, can you talk a little bit about that decision and how, how you had to think about not just yourself, um, in the process. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, I mean, yeah, that was the biggest thing. It's like, it's not just me or even my immediate family that is affected. It's a pretty large team, um, of people. And when I think when you have maybe some, we have a mix It's some full-time, it's some part-time, um, a lot of our part-time staff, they have full-time jobs. So, you know, I feel obviously less responsibility there, but I feel a high amount of responsibility 
for everyone that is on our team that, you know, chose to work with us full time. And like, I feel a commitment to them to continue their employment if I can at all um, have any way to affect that. So for me, like success through this time period wasn't just like the Aravipa name will live on and our races will come back when they come back. But it was that I can continue to pay people every two weeks, um, even to the point of like not paying myself, you know? Um, I mean, I took, I even did like for a period of time, you know, it was like, I, you know, I'll, I'll invest in my people. That's more important to me right now. And I'm able to do that. So, um, but yeah, we all had to kind of tighten our belts a bit for sure. Um, and, but yeah, like success to me, I remember having this thought and just this discussion with kind of my executive team, like success to me, isn't that we just got through this and like, we didn't have to close down our business or file bankruptcy or something, but it was to, to make it through with our team intact. And that to us is important and it's, it's not guaranteed. Um, it's still not guaranteed, but so far we've been able to do that and keep people busy and hopefully we can continue that. And I mean, I, I know that we will do whatever it takes and, um, to try and make that happen. We're going to fight just as hard as I do when I try and finish a race, um, to keep our staff on board. And it's been interesting because, you know, we kind of built up this nice system of everyone knew what they're doing and has their roles. And we've had years to develop all of these, everyone's specific role. And then with a matter of like, flipping a switch, we've had to change everything. And it's been a struggle, like, you know, some, you know, with all the, the awards that we're making in house, like some of our people, like the, normally they're a race director with us. So like, you know, their day-to-day job is in, in the office and they're on their computer doing emails and all kinds of logistics. And then they're in the field, marking a course and setting up and making sure that everything is coordinated. And all of a sudden they're just spending eight hours a day sanding wood, you know, like gluing stuff together. And it's like, it's a weird pivot, but everyone has been great. They're doing what they can. Um, and it's inspiring to see that. And so, yeah, that's kind of, that's what drives us right now. And we're kind of open to anything. We're, we're trying to continually come up with ideas, but yeah, it's tough. And, you know, we're not taking any event revenue right now for any future races. It's all postponed. So we're, literally like week to week, we have to make enough to, to make payroll. So it's, it's definitely, you know, the pressure is on, which I, I tend to work well under that type of pressure. And I think some of our other staff do too. Um, but yeah, the, the pressure's on for sure. Well, you, you said something, uh, you, you talked a little bit about how, how this current situation is, is kind of like running a race. And, and I was wondering if you could, you could kind of, speak to that a little bit more. Um, do you feel that ultra running or trail running or just racing specifically or, or tackling a big challenge? Do you think that translates to owning a business or, or, or specifically in, in a time of, <laughs> of crisis like this? Uh, does that allow you to pivot and, um, or how do you, how do you feel that ultra running has helped you as a business owner and, um, leader? decision maker. I think there's a lot of parallels, definitely. Um, you know, and I don't know, part of my personality, like I'm not a person that drops from a race or DNFs. Um, like I'll get, as long as there's time left on the clock, I push through and I adapt. So a lot of the adapting that happens out in a race, I can remember, man, I've done some really long races before with injuries, pre-existing injuries, things that you shouldn't probably shouldn't be completing an ultra while you have it. I think even UTMB, I had like a really bad ankle roll that I got a couple months prior when I was training for hard rock and I somehow got through hard rock and went out to UTMB and I had to like change the way that I was walking just so I could make it through like little adjustments or like your nutrition isn't working. So you got to throw it out the window and pivot and do something different. And yeah, that's what I've had to do. I mean, I think for the two weeks, that we were like in Aravipa strong. I was, I think I, I was basically living at, at my office and I was running our laser engraving machines through the night 
um, so that just because there wasn't enough hours in the day to keep the machines going, like I had to just basically sleep on the, like on the production floor, essentially next to these machines, keeping them running. Um, so it's like sleep deprivation is a factor in some of these long things. Um, and just kind of adapting to the situation. Those are kind of the biggest parallels, I think. Yeah. Well, you've, you've done it well and you've, you've certainly led, um, other race directors. Um, and I really like that, that piece about just not being the kind of person that DNFs, even, (laughs) even if you've, you're the one who's created the problems. Um, you, you own it and, and you finish the job that you signed up to finish. And, um, I really appreciate that. Uh, one of the things that I want to point out is that the awards and the, the engravings and the medals and things like that, that you are making, they're not just for your events, but in fact, one of our former guests, Max King, was was raving about <laughs> how nice it was to work with with you and your team in the creation of the medals for the Bend Marathon, which he directs. And um, so, I, I think that's cool that you you know you, you saw a need and a, an opportunity, possibly for your own race organization, but that, that then you ex- expanded and, and you're providing those services to to other races and, and race organizations. Yeah, honestly, a really rewarding process, um, especially to see people in our own team and own staff that are super creative, um, be able to find, you know, a a potential career in this and let a creative outlet for them. And it's just also really, it feels good to make something like, you know, I was in just being a race director, you're kind of in the, the service business, right? Like hospitality you're here to provide just an experience. Um, leading up to a race, it's just this thing, this abstract idea that's in your head. And then you actually produce it. And when you clean it all up, it's except for like the photos you took, it's not there anymore. Um, it's it's kind of cool to make like a physical object that that someone can appreciate and, and, and enjoy it, you know, as an, as an accomplishment, as a sign of that. So, um, but yeah, it's been cool working with other directors and just other random projects that pop up. It's really cool. The Ben Marathon was like our big first project or it was like our, yeah, like the biggest project we've ever done um, up until Era the Strong. And it was actually really interesting because I think we had to make 2,500 medals for them, but we had some like crazy lead time, I think like five months or six months. So we were, it was like this ongoing thing. Like we were making these medals for like months on end and it took us, all of that time to actually finish them. And then we had to like do a similar sized order, if not bigger for Aravipa Strong, but we only had a couple weeks to do it. Wow. So it was like, it was a huge learning curve, um, but also just, yeah, really rewarding to to see that happen. Yeah, I really like that point. Um, And I don't want to get off in the weeds or offend people politically, but um, I, the, that point about having something tangible that you can create because so much, and I, I think many of our listeners will, will be able to relate. We do live in an information age. And, and like you said, even though you may physically be the one out there sweating and carrying the, the flags and things like that to mark the course and put the arrows up and, and put the arch up and, or physically be out on course and provide aid at the end of the day, both, both in the pre-production and the post-production, most of what is seen is, is all digitized. (laughs) It's, it's a website, it's a registration page, it's some photos. Um, it, it, it is clearly an experience, but, but as a, in terms of, I made this most of what you can see other than what you can feel is just online. And, uh, and ultimately it lives in like the hearts and minds of the participants. Like it's a memory, um, that they have, which is awesome. It's great. But yeah, it's like, it's not something you can just touch. It, absolutely. Yeah. And so, um, like, yeah, that, that, that ability to feel something that you make, um, it's something that I, maybe it's a personal <laughs> issue that I have because yeah, I, I work behind a computer all day, every day. And so running is like, 
the most blue collar thing that I do most of the time. <laughs> like it's, it's the most I sweat or whatever. Um, and so it is nice to actually create something with your hands that you can see, um, even if there are machines involved and stuff like that, but also that other people can touch. And so, um, I, I think it was Marx that said that, you know, we put all this emphasis on, on homo sapiens, that we are man, the thinker. And, and yet the alienation that so many of us feel is that, we do want to be somewhat connected <laughs> with an end product. And so I think it's really cool that you're, you're actually producing uh, your, your homo faber, your man, the maker, you're making things and more than just experiences. You're, you're making something tangible that people can remember those experiences by. And, um, uh, it's rewarding for me. Like, I mean, I'm down there also just like, you know, glue and metals together and painting stuff. And um, just kind of like you take just what was an idea and then through like trial and error and all these different processes. And then you have this thing at the end of the day that you can, that like, I made this, like, this is something that was in my brain. And now it's like a physical thing. It's just a rewarding feeling. Yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate what you're doing and you, you certainly inspire a lot of people. Um, you inspire people through your running. It was fun to see you do the backyard quarantine ultra. Um, it, it's, it's fun to see what you produce on your YouTube channels. Um, it's also really inspiring to see how you have somehow <laughs> managed to not just find something that you're passionate about, but you have surrounded yourself by a team of people who, who are also passionate about it, who, who are creators and artists and, um, and, and experts in, in their respective fields. And, and, and you're, you've provided a space for them to produce and inspire and motivate each of us. And so, um, as a runner, as a coach, as a race director, as a fan, um, just want to say thank you for what you do for the sport. Um, and also for taking the time to share a little bit here with us today. Yeah, of course. I appreciate all that. Thank you. So if, if, uh, our listeners want to learn more about the events that you direct or the content that you produce, we can certainly put things in the show notes, but not everyone reads the show notes. And and sometimes we need multiple, uh, stimuli, uh, or forms uh, of information. And so do you mind letting us know where we can find you and the work that you do? And then I'll be sure to include it in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, all of our races are under Aravipa running, so you can go to our website or check us out on social media. Um, you can see everything we're doing from virtual races to stuff as crazy as Cocodona 250, which is our 250 miler. Um, my personal stuff is just my name, Jamil Curry, um, J-A-M-I-L-C-O-U-R-Y. And then, yeah, our main YouTube channel is Run Steep Get High. That's where we have a lot of our race videos or inspiring type films um, are up there. All right. Well, thank you very much, uh, and good luck with the virtual races that you're you're producing and directing, and um, and just weathering the storm. Also, all the best with finding that balance, so that in addition to helping others chase their dreams, you're able to get out a little bit and <laughs> and continue to pursue your dreams as well. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks for the yeah. Thanks for the podcast, Jacob. Thanks again for listening to the Art and Science of Running podcast. If you found this episode interesting, entertaining, inspiring, or informative, please share it with your friends on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, and tag the Art and Science of Running so that we can reshare it. Better yet, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. This will help others with similar interests find this free resource that we've created for listeners around the world. Many thanks in advance. Climb atop the highest mountain
I'm going for a walk.